0: Easter Sunday which celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead which changes everything which changes everything about this time half the world half the world of Christians at least has uh, already celebrated the resurrection as time zones move across the globe and about half of the world is yet to probably meet and celebrate the resurrection people celebrate Easter in different ways Um, This is from Wycliffe Bible Translators, but Australians and New Zealanders, at least some of them, don't use rabbits uh, for their Easter festivities because they're considered to be pests. Like it would be like us celebrating with an Easter rat, right? It just doesn't fit. Instead, they use the holiday to celebrate with an endangered Australian animal called a bilby. It has long ears and looks similar to a rabbit, so they call it the Easter bilby. Some churches in Africa decorate their, with cloths that have butterflies, flowers, and more on them. In the night before Easter, Christians have a vigil that begins somber. But as they meet through the night, when morning comes, there's dancing and music that breaks out. In Ethiopia in particular, they, they celebrate the fascia, which is 55 days long leading up to Easter. And that, During that 55 days, they fast from eating any meat or animal products. In the Philippines, they have two processions on Easter. The men are in one procession. They follow an image of Jesus risen from the dead. The women make up another profession. They follow Mary wearing a black veil. And when the two groups finally meet out the celebration, Jesus comforts Mary after having risen from the dead. In Germany, they decorate tree branches. Of course, that's where the Christmas tree came from, right? The Tannenbaum. Uh, They decorate it with painted eggs in the same way we decorate our Christmas tree. In addition to that, uh, Easter marks the kickoff of spring, so they wear colorful, traditional dress to celebrate the occasion. In Poland, families get up to celebrate an Easter Sunday breakfast, not a dinner. Um, They eat the babka, uh, a bread that has raisins and a thin glaze on top of it. In Bermuda, they fly kites on Good Friday um, a tradition that started when a teacher wanted to teach students about Jesus ascending. So they fly, he flew a kite of, with a picture of Jesus on it to teach people about Jesus rising from the dead and being ascended on high. And here in America, we spend $2.6 billion on candy. That's how we celebrate, right? We celebrate it with candy. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but it's fair to say that if Jesus did not rise from the dead we would not be here today. We would not be gathered here in this room right now. In fact, First Baptist Church of Haverhill would not exist. Western civilization would not be anything like we know it to be. In fact, the whole globe now affected by this one day. The gospel would be provably and evidently false if Christ did not rise from the dead, and there would be no Christian hope of eternal life. It would be a very, very different world. The way the Apostle Paul put this in 1 Corinthians 15 is, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Yaroslav Pelikan, the scholar, said, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. Tish Harrison Warren wrote, it is painfully clear that the resurrection is either the whole hope of the world, the very center of reality, or Christianity is not worth our time. It's one or the other. Nelson Mandela said Easter, is a festival of human solidarity because it celebrates the fulfillment of the good news. The good news born by our risen Messiah who chose not one race, who chose not one country, who chose not one language, who chose not one tribe, who chose all humankind. Friends, we're going to look at Matthew 28 and look at the resurrection account. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. We're going to read the whole chapter of chapter 28. 28. Walk through this together, and then we'll rejoice in the fact that Jesus is risen. We read this in the scriptures. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, Of the age, this is the word of the Lord, and may God add His blessing to its reading and to its application this morning. Briefly, this is where we're gonna we're gonna look this morning in verses one through ten. Jesus' resurrection gives us courage. Gives us courage. Eleven to fifteen, Jesus' resurrection gives us confidence, and then finally in sixteen to twenty, Jesus' resurrection gives us a commission. First, the thing it does, it gives us courage. The women arrive at dawn, at the first of rising of the sun that's why we have a sunrise service sometimes so we haven't done a sunrise service in a while but we did have one this morning and I think I saw you three there no I'm just kidding there was like maybe ten of us there um, along with some other churches it was a good time of worship but they come to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body they are not expecting him to be risen from the dead they're expecting to see a body there and to anoint it and an earthquake happens at that moment an angel descends He rolls back the stone and sits on it and he's described as having an appearance like lightning and being dressed in white as snow, representing his sinlessness, his purity. The guards' response to this is understandable. They respond with fear. They become like dead men. They basically fall to the ground, probably covering their heads and just lay there in absolute terror. The angel says to the women, don't be afraid don't be afraid for he is risen they see the empty tomb they go to tell the disciples that they, to me, they're to meet Jesus in Galilee and up to that point you'd be a little disappointed if you didn't actually see Jesus but as they're going Jesus himself meets them they grab his feet and he repeats basically what the angel said beforehand do not be afraid go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee one thing you may notice is the command that is most closely associated with the resurrection accounts, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. No fear. We, we have lots of fears, don't we? Now, some fears are good. Um, fear can be a good protection instinct. You should have a healthy fear of snakes, okay? Nothing wrong with being afraid of snakes because many of them are poisonous and they will kill you. So that's not a bad fear. But we have irrational fears. We call them phobias, right? A, a crippling fear of, of spiders, a crippling fear of crowds, a crippling fear of enclosed spaces, claustro, claustrophobia. Did you know that there's also claustrophilia? Uh, there are those who love enclosed spaces. Actually, the great uh, science fiction author Isaac Asimov is said to have been a claustrophiliac. He loved to be in small, enclosed spaces. I don't get it. But some people are like that, I guess we also fear the unknown we fear the future we fear losing a loved one because we know that's a real possibility we fear death and the process of dying maybe we fear the afterlife and what's to come after we pass on there's also the fear of despair of meaninglessness for some that this whole purpose this whole universe this whole life has no purpose or meaning to it Richard Dawkins, the renowned atheist, said this, the universe has no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Maybe that's a fear. Others will fear hell, judgment, damnation, accountability for the sins that we've committed in our lives. Jesus' resurrection gives us courage. Do not fear. The Holy Spirit does, can and does give us the ability to overcome irrational fears, but more importantly than that, there's no need to fear the future. There's no need to fear death itself. There's no need to fear hell. The best is yet to come for those in Christ. Death is defeated. There is a heaven. There is an afterlife. There is eternal life for those who trust in Christ. The world is not doomed to a meaningless despair. There is a new heaven's in a new earth that is coming it will one day be restored the command that is most closely associated with the resurrection is do not fear in 11 to 15 the resurrection gives us confidence gives us confidence jesus resurrection gives us confidence because of the guards testimony i'll explain what i mean here after the resurrection the elders and the priests have a little quick damage control meeting (laughs) we got to do something about what just happened here and they decide here's the best plan of action pay off the guards to say the disciples came and stole the body and we'll just lie about what really happened and we'll just pretend like there was no resurrection um the guards lives are in danger by the way because they allowed this to happen um So he says, well, if that happens, we'll satisfy the governor. We'll talk to the governor. We'll get you out of trouble. And they do what? They take the money. I mean, what other choice do they have? We can either not take the money and get in trouble and probably forfeit our lives, or we can take the money and they'll, you know, deal with the governor for us. They do as directed. And Matthew tells us this story has lasted till this day. Not meaning today, meaning when he wrote it, but it is still lasted till today. In fact, there are multiple poor explanations given for the resurrection. And you might say, how, how does this give us confidence, Rick? Because honestly, so many of these excuses for the resurrection are pathetic. <laughs> They're not very good. Um, first of all, why would the disciples die if they knew it was a lie? Right? If, you, if you knew this whole thing was made up, and we're just going to pretend that Jesus rose from the dead, I'm not going to go to my death for this lie. I'm not going to risk my entire life and livelihood, be imprisoned, boiled in oil, crucified upside down, and all of these horrendous deaths that the disciples went to for a lie. Right? there have been many, many other theories as well Jesus didn't actually die uh, so somehow the Romans forgot how to crucify someone um, and instead he gets put into this tomb with this giant stone in the way and somehow wakes up from his coma-like state. status rolls away the stone overcomes the guards reaches the disciples and they see his broken, bloodied body and say, he's risen! <laughs> doesn't make any sense They all had a hallucination. Well, hallucinations don't work that way. An individual can have a hallucination. A group can't. At one point, he appears to more than 500 people. One common one is that this is a legend. It's a legend of history. The problem with that is legends take centuries to arise. This happened within a very, very short time. We know that historically, that the proclamation of that Jesus has risen from the dead happened very, very quickly after the cross as I like what uh, Chuck Colson said. You don't know who Chuck Colson is. He's the one who uh, worked with Richard Nixon on Watergate and uh, went to jail for a number of years, came, became a Christian while in jail and led a prison ministry called... Um, I lost it, whatever. The prison International? Um, Chuck Colson said this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. So for you older folks here who remember Watergate. How? Because 12 men testified... They had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Listen to this. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. <laughs> You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Right? No way is this made up. Something happened, and perhaps most importantly, at this very moment, all of history begins to change. The disciples who go from a cowardly group hidden in secret to boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, they begin to turn the world upside down. So within a short period of time, all of the Roman Empire has been affected by this message. You have to be confident in your faith jesus really did rise from the dead his body really did come out of that tomb this really happened (laughs) in history it is true why does this matter it's the completion of the gospel he was raised for our justification our salvation is not complete until jesus comes out of that tomb it's a necessary part of the full picture of the gospel it confirms Jesus' teaching. The Bible describes it as a sort of stamp of approval on Jesus' life. People just don't come back from the dead. It doesn't happen, right? Unless God is trying to make a statement that Jesus really was who he said he was, the eternal Son of God, and really did do what he claimed to do, which is to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. And also, it is the first fruits. And if we're united to Jesus, then all those who who are united to him will one day rise as he did it's already started it began when jesus walked out of the tomb and it'll be completed in the final day when we're all with the lord one new testament scholar n.t wright says as jesus resurrection is the beginning of god's new project not to snatch people away from earth to heaven but to colonize earth with the life of heaven god is beginning this work of transforming all things through the resurrection of jesus from the dead And then thirdly, Jesus' resurrection gives us a commission. Gives us a commission. This is 16 to 20. We have a commission, a job to do. Jesus appears to the disciples back in Galilee, as he said, uh, to the exact mountain that he directed them. It says, notice this, that that some worship and some doubt. I mean, they all worship and some doubt. Uh, Ever been there? Evidence is sitting there right in your face staring at you, and still (laughs) We, we might struggle with doubt. Now, sandwiched between um, these two statements, we have the commission. And the two statements are this. All authority is given unto me, Jesus says. And the final thing he says is, I am with you always to the end of the age. The commission doesn't make sense unless you have both of those things true. Jesus has all spiritual authority in heaven and earth, and he's with us right to the end of the age. And the command is what? Go make disciples. Go to all the nations everywhere, every corner of a globe. I guess you can't have corners of a globe, but you know what I mean. Every part of this planet. Make disciples by preaching the gospel and baptizing them. That's what we just did, of course, this morning. Baptism is a symbol of our conversion, that we've come to know Jesus as our Savior. We've died to our old self. We've risen to a new self, united to him. And teaching... Them to believe all that I have commanded. Give them the whole picture that they continue to grow in understanding who Jesus really is. This commission is what the church has been doing now for about 2,000 years. The gospel has always been diverse and meant for the entire globe, ethnically and racially. As I said, it started with a Middle Eastern Jew, and from there it spread into Asia Minor, into the entire Roman Empire, and now across the entire planet as the largest religion, at least professing Christian, professing religion in the world. Right from the very beginning, it spreads to a Gentile physician, goes to an Ethiopian eunuch, to an Italian soldier. It goes into Spain, into India. In fact, it goes into Egypt. The Coptic Christians date their beginning to AD 42. And now almost every place in the planet. In fact, the gospel and Christian faith is spread almost evenly in every continent in the world, maybe even Antarctica, because I'm sure some of these scientists down there are uh, are Christians as well. The place that's most needed, of course, is Asia, the 1040 window, it's sometimes called. But even China, they say there's as many as a hundred million Christians who hold that Jesus risen from the dead. We have a job to do. If Jesus is risen, and He is, and we are waiting for His return, and we are, we have a job to do. The Great Commission. For the mission of the church. Go reach the nations. Love God, love your neighbor, and share this good news. One life at a time, one people group at a time, one nation at a time, and one generation at a time. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And no wonder, <laughs> when they find a new courage without fear of anything in this world, A new confidence in Christ and a commission, a job to do until he comes back. As the world can seem kind of dark at times. But when you look at eternity and you look at what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and in the resurrection, that darkness is a drop in the bucket of eternity. How are things going? Well, it all depends on your perspective. If you're looking focused primarily at the world, Are you focused primarily on Christ? The pandemic is still around. The numbers are going up, perhaps. There might be a new outbreak in Shanghai. He is risen. Political partisanship is at an all-time high. It seems like we're heading further and further apart from one another. But he is risen. I'm struggling with grief, Pastor. I've lost so many loved ones. But he is risen and they are with him. And all those who know him will end up with him. Friends, when we set our eyes on Jesus and know what the hope of eternal life is, that we will soon and very soon be with him and be with him for all eternity, things aren't so bad. In fact, they're pretty good. In fact, they're amazing. In fact, they're glorious beyond imagination. Why? Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the glorious truth of the gospel. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. We thank you, Lord. That means, that means our sins are atoned for, death has been defeated, and eternal life awaits us. And whatever stands in the way between this very day And the day that we are with you in glory is but a drop in the bucket because our salvation and redemption is secured. But Lord, we have a mission. (laughs) We have a commission. We have a job to do to share this good news, to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to tell people about the deep and everlasting, amazing grace that we ourselves have received in the love of God. Lord, when we are there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. In Jesus' name, amen.